Well, welcome everybody. Today we have a very special guest in the name of Mr. Sean Mitchell. Sean Mitchell from you, you guys from YouTube will definitely know who he is. Uh, he uh, talks all things uh, EV, Tesla in particular, but uh, is not limited there. We've had the uh, special fortune of having him on our show today uh, because he lives here in Colorado. He was come, able to come right to the studio and talk with us. So today we're going to cover, uh, I want to cover coronavirus and how that affects supply chains, the uh, much-anticipated Model Y, uh, in addition to that, if we can get into energy, Saudi Arabia, Russia, why not? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, this coronavirus thing, I don't, uh, have you heard about it? What, uh, that's a beer? beer yeah, yeah, it's, mix, it's, it's the lime that gives you the uh, <laughs> stomachache afterwards. Apparently, so. they have not dropped in sales, Corona. We just Googled this last night. But they do it just fine sales. That's the question. Have they grown in sales? <laughs> 5%. Okay. Yeah, not a lot, but... That's a measurable uptick when it could be a pronounced downward trend. Right. You do need something to do if you're self-quarantined in your house, so I'm surprised that it's not higher. Exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe that'll come, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the topic that uh, a lot of people have been kind of curious about, and, you know, is this is, it's, it seems like daily the numbers are changing, you know, whether that's the statistical numbers, you know, what the protocol is changing daily, et cetera. And something interesting to, you know, probably your viewers and, uh, and our viewers and listeners is this idea of with these markets getting hammered like this and the, the closures, the sort of random closures of all sorts of things. How do you feel like this is affecting Tesla and the supply line and, and, uh, and so on? Yeah, there's, I have, I have a few thoughts on this. In fact, uh, if I get some time when I get back home today, I'll probably record a, a video about this. But I think, you know, 30,000-foot perspective, short-term something like this is probably pretty manageable for markets and businesses. If this goes on for more than a couple of months, um, I think we've got some pretty big problems economically. Um, there's people that have thrown around the R word, recession, mm. and uh, about this sort of um, – um, entering in the next recession, hopefully not. Hopefully, well, there's 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 a ton of very very smart people working on um, reducing the the impact not only on people's health but also the economic impact. But if you if you go down to maybe like a ten thousand foot view or ground level, I've given a lot of thought to how this impacts Tesla in particular or. You know, maybe let's scale out a little bit and say the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. To me, this is really, really interesting as someone who follows this uh, as as sort of a, a hobby and a in a in a passion project. Um, how how does how does the coronavirus impact the automotive industry? Um, there's lots of ways that you could you could sort of slice the cake, but one of the things that I think is interesting is is how this could potentially accelerate the the. the accelerate electric vehicles. Um, mm -hmm. You have this global supply chain that, that, that the automotive industry is reliant upon, many other industries as well, but, but since I talk a lot about electric vehicles, you have this supply chain that, that involves parts and pieces, and more importantly for this conversation, it's batteries. Batteries is sort of the primary component at the moment. 
the automotive industry is is very reliant on Asia for for battery supply. You have raw materials that come from different parts of the world, but then they sort of get shipped to to Asia for processing and then building these batteries. Japan and um, uh, Korea and China, in particular. An event like the coronavirus definitely is quite disruptive to to automotive manufacturers making these electric vehicles. What I think is probably going to happen, depending you know, in, in depending on when this episode comes out, um, uh, you may or may not be able to watch a video where I'll go into a lot more detail about this. But I plan on putting this 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 video out sometime this afternoon after after this uh, this recording here. But I think this is going to drive this idea of of centralizing supply chain a little bit mm-hmm. more for electric vehicles. Here's the big difference. An auto, automotive manufacturer can create a gasoline vehicle, and they're not so much reliant on the fuel source to be able to sell the vehicle. That's 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 sort of post-purchase. But with an electric vehicle, the big difference is you can't sell that vehicle. It's not sellable if you don't have the batteries. Mm-hmm. And if you have a coronavirus or something that's disrupting the, the markets, um, it, it, it can significantly hurt uh, automotive manufacturers from creating those so uh, and, and selling the vehicles. So if you centralize the supply chain and you, you start to have auto, automotive manufacturers think about how to control a little bit, little bit more of that supply chain from a continent perspective, I think what you have Tesla doing by creating these gigafactories on each continent will prove to be, in hindsight, a really smart strategy for 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 battery supply in particular, yeah. but but building vehicles. Absolutely, that uh, and, and it isn't isn't it true? Like you you're saying, consolidate the supply chain. Uh, clearly, uh, there's not a an equal distribution of natural resources throughout the planet. It's, it's some things are concentrated. I believe like cobalt is concentrated in China and things like that. How do how do they go about centralizing that, or what have they done? What has Tesla done specifically to centralize those those resources? Yeah, there's there's a lot that probably isn't known to the general public or someone that doesn't follow Tesla as as closely. But uh, Tesla actually controls their entire supply chain. Other automakers would rely on a company like Panasonic or yeah. LG Chem to control that supply chain. But one of the things that's really important with Tesla is to source, uh, is to ethically source the raw materials. And they've explicitly said this in papers that they publish. Uh, they they don't buy conflict minerals. Interesting. So they, they, they go through um, great lengths to make sure that they're not buying uh, raw materials that are coming from places like Congo, where you you have these you know ch- ch- child labor, yeah, and re- really really dark and, and sad places. Um, so um, controlling the supply chain, they've already got that down mm-hmm. to a sense. What what they don't control is at the moment the production of the cells. So Panasonic controls that in in Giga Nevada. And then you, you have some of these other companies that will, will help them execute. Although that dynamic's changing, right? The, it's uh, starting to change. Yeah. It's starting to change. With Panasonic uh, with, in particular. Yeah, I, I, you know, here, here's my prediction with this. And this is something that is ever-evolving and we'll know a lot about uh, with, with the Battery Investor Day. Yeah. But 
I think that they're going to need, and this is this is another uh, video concept that you're getting some <laughs> some some insight into right. into my brain here. What I think is going to happen is they're going to need every single major battery producer, plus them getting into the battery production business to be able to execute on the demand that they have for their vehicles yeah. and for their stationary storage. So they've got to figure this out. So so there's two pieces that they they don't control right now. Number one is is the actual mining of the raw materials. Mm-hmm. Right now they buy the raw materials. And they've talked about potentially moving into that market as well. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And and then they also don't control at the moment the production of mm-hmm. the cells. Once once Panasonic creates or produces those cells, then Tesla takes those and puts them in the modules and battery packs and puts puts them in the car. So you have these sort of, you know, there's there's, there's three phases of of that battery pack. There's the raw materials that come from the mine. You also have the processing of the raw materials, um, but but I would I would loop that into uh, the production of the cells, and then you actually have making of the battery pack. So so Tesla's got to figure figure that. Out. I suspect that they're probably going to want to try and control as much of that process as possible for. One primary reason, well, two two primary reasons, to control a little bit more of their own destiny in terms of 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 markets and 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 costs. Um, uh, you're you're subject to cost of the market, mm-hmm. whatever the market for nickel and cobalt is. That's going to impact your profit margin on your car and the cost of the car. So if they can control a little bit more of that. Is there a lot of variability in that? that yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a little bit manic. That would be uh, it, crazy. Yeah, the, um, co- cobalt, cobalt, nickel in particular, I believe, is the most expensive raw material in the batteries that okay. they use. Cobalt, as I understand it, is a derivative of nickel. So you have th- those two, and then um, lithium, I, as I understand it, is one of the most affordable parts of the of 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 the battery cell. So. Um, if, if I were just to take a stab in the dark, if they were going to get into the mining business, mm-hmm. buy a mine, and or mines, plural, I probably would 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 guess that it would be nickel, that they yeah. would, they Interesting. would buy really? a nickel mine. Yeah. Um, and the, remind me the, the name of the mineral that's coming out of the Congo. It's cobalt. Cobalt, right. So yeah. and right now, a lot of that's coming from Australia and whatnot. Is that... I don't, I don't know where Tesla in particular is is buying their cobalt. Um, based on what I know, it's probably not Congo. It's probably from somewhere else. And they're gunning for cobalt free in time. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I think now their 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 batteries are something like an eight eight one one. So so uh, nickel eight eight to one to one. So uh, nickel is mo- mostly nickel, and then you have manganese. And then cobalt. So it's it's something like that. There's a derivative of that. They've got some different chemistries for different purposes. But uh, I think it's n- nickel, manganese, and cobalt. But uh, at some point, very soon, they'll probably work out the cobalt completely. Yeah. And do you think that that uh, will any of that? Do you do you anticipate any big change in that formula with the Maxwell Technologies? Do you think that that's going to? Um, I mean, not, we're all sort of stabbing in the dark there with that, but. Uh, um, there seems to be the, the the indication there's going to be some order of magnitude change in the capacity. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I you know, I, I've I've got I've got a video idea planned for this at some point this week. Um, I I think the innovations are probably going to be you know par- partially partially it's 
it's implementing Maxwell technology, mm-hmm. uh, which is this dry electrode. So you remove you remove a portion of the process where you have to send 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 the uh, these these sheets through a a drying process. So you reduce the you reduce the cost that it takes in the time that it takes to send these um, these sheets through the drying process because uh, it's ready to go. And then and then the, the 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 chemistry that they've got, as I understand it, is also in in an improvement in energy density as well. So yeah. there's some innovation there. Um, it's it's known that Tesla's in energy density is is somewhere around 250 or to 270 um, watt hours per kilogram, and that's uh, impressive. Maxwell has 300 today with a with with a a path to 500. Jeez. So you're going to get some right out of the gate some some um, efficiency in in range and energy density, um, but it I, I think there's some room there. So I think there's innovation there, and then you've also got th- th- this the, these leadings of of them buying high bar, which which you know fills the battery cells with with the chemistry. What is high bar? Uh, high bar is a, a manufacturing, a part of the manufacturing process of of the the actual cells. Okay. Based out of Canada, or they were based out of Canada, so I think that they bought the technology. It's uh, you, you can go to their website; they have got videos. I think even on YouTube where they show uh, this automated process of filling this, the 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 actual cylindrical cells uh-huh. with with the, the the chemistry. Interesting. So, so cool. So so it seems like they're working on producing their own. So I think that that will probably be another piece of this, probably not in large scale. I think that they'll probably start at their 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 higher cost, higher margin vehicles like their S and their X, produce their own cells for those and then um, and then eventually at some point roll it out into their other other vehicles. So that's that's the other piece and then the 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 third piece. This is actually good for me to talk this out because I'm I'm actually talking out my outline for this video. <laughs> Please, yeah, practice away. While sir. we're recording here. So the third <laughs> the third component is to leverage every single uh, battery uh, battery production company mm-hmm. on earth that right that, on. that is that, that that can execute on it. So I think that they're going to pull from Panasonic, LG Chem, CATL and any others to be able to execute on this this massive uh, need for producing of of uh, of battery cells. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they uh, do they already have a relationship with LG for their Chinese factory, or am I mistaken? I think that there were some rumblings of that. Okay. Yeah, I think that there were some rumblings of that. Um, you know, it sounds like with CATL, it's going to be specifically for uh, prismatic batteries and their standard range Model Threes. So okay. that leaves. You know, if, if if they're if they're selling other vehicles, maybe not necessarily producing, but if they're selling other vehicles in other markets and they need LG Chem, then they're probably going to actually. I think that they did do do an agreement. I think that there was a formal. Agreement I believe that's true too. Yeah. I don't know any of the details of it, but I do recall reading that. I heard Elon say something in some interview. Maybe uh, that was in the third row one. It might have been, mm-hmm. and they were like, you know, it's it, they're, they're basically the same cells, right? And he goes, yeah, but basically the same, and the same is very different. Yeah, yeah that's what it was, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so so to, to wrap this full circle, it, it sounds like Tesla had already gone to great lengths to, to uh, you know, get, get their supply chain hammered out in advance of this. And I think it sounds like you're saying that this might help them to weather the storm of the coronavirus 
And as, as I as I'm reading, I believe even China right now is is they're peaking, or at least it looks like their their coronavirus is uh, is plateauing. Is, yeah, exactly. So that uh, that's good for uh, you know Gigafactory three, uh, or sorry, Gigafactory four, right? Uh, no, three for for China. <laughs> yeah, China for three. So. Um, it does sound like their their diversification and their supply chain is intact, and will only probably benefit them moving forward in this in this uh, pandemic. It's 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 gonna it's gonna level out the the chance that that cost the cost of vehicles will be disrupted mm-hmm. uh, by commodities like yeah. raw materials uh, because th- those can fluctuate. In fact, if you if you go to a commodities website, mm-hmm. and you type in um, lithium or nickel. They can they can be very manic in, in price exactly. And you need you need standardization and you need a sort of a leveling of the cost to make things more predictable. So centralizing the supply chain on a continent basis, mm-hmm. I think, gives an automaker like Tesla and probably other automakers that want to follow in their footsteps a little bit more of a predictable output of electric vehicles. That that makes perfect sense. You you you're not. While there will always be geopolitical uh, issues for as long as there's humans on Earth, clearly, if you uh, can be self-sustaining in one hemisphere and not impacted by the other, that that promises to be a a, a profound paradigm shift in, in in how EVs will be produced. So, we've got this thing called the Model Y. You've heard about that, right? I think so. <laughs> Sounds familiar. They started delivering this past weekend. Uh, you got any good uh, intel on those yet? You had a chance to touch one? Um, I was at the Model Y event. Oh, a, the unveil. A, a, a year ago oh, on, the, on the 15th. Um, we're recording a few days after the 15th, but it was actually a year ago. And okay. It, and uh, so I, I was. I had the good fortune of being there. Um, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to see that they're they're so far ahead of what they initially said when they were going to start delivering their vehicles. So so that's really exciting. I really do hope that Tesla's figured out how to underpromise and overdeliver, um, because that's been as as a as someone who's got an interest in in Tesla, and I know a lot of other investors feel this way. Um, missing your deadlines is a bad idea. You know, absolutely, it's, it's, it's a bad thing in many ways. It's frustrating. It's confusing. It you know, it makes you look like you don't know what you're doing. And and so I really do hope that... Doesn't Tesla, it seem like that memo has been gotten? I hope so. Uh, I, yeah, it's the impression I get as well. I hope so. So Fingers crossed. Yeah, the Model Y, I think, is going to be far better selling than the Model 3. Uh, there's more functionality. You have a hatchback. I mean, that was one of the complaints of, of Model 3 owners, no hatchback. So you've got that. You've got just a gorgeous interior all glass roof, which sitting in the second row, which is where I sat when I got my test ride. Oh, what was that at like? At the event. Here are some things as a taller guy I really appreciated. So I'm 6'1". Um, um, it was easy, far easier to get into the Model Y than it was my Model S and a Model 3. Uh, Interesting. You, you sort of sit down into a sedan, whereas the Model Y, you sort of sit sit into it mm-hmm. sort of sort of slide into it. it's a better way to put it uh, so there's less of an effort there to get in and out of the vehicle but sitting into the second row was really neat because you have what what 
you know, current Model S owners would be familiar with, with the all-glass roof. They've essentially taken that and they've put it into the Model Y. So when you're sitting in that second row, it just feels incredibly spacious. There's plenty of headroom. And you have all of that glass, which just makes it feel very airy and bright. So I really do love that. I love I love the hatchback. Um, I think it's powered, by the way, too, isn't it? That hatchback. Yes. Yeah. Power very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's I think it's going to do incredibly well here in Colorado in particular. Um, I've tried to keep a close eye on it as I've seen trucks come into the Denver area to drop those vehicles off. I don't know if I told you my story, but I, we, so we just got my wife's model three in, uh, December and have just, you know, I've already talked about it ad nauseum, so I won't go into that detail, but it's been magical for us. It's, it's a, it's a game changer. And, uh, I of course put my name in the hat for, uh, the, the cyber truck and, uh, and then just recently within the last three weeks, I put it in an order for a model Y. And it wasn't the performance. It was a long-range all-wheel drive because we live up here in the mountains. Um, gray, uh, the I forget the name of the new the new rims or whatnot, but uh, the new rims. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and when I did it, I just I, I I could easily do it because I was like, well, that's a year and a half away. Yeah. Um, because I'm <laughs> there's like what three hundred thousand or two hundred fifty thousand orders, or I don't even know what the number is on it, but it's some multiple of hundreds of thousands of orders. So me doing the basic math in my head, I'm going, okay, if they build 5,000 a week, blah, blah, blah. We're a long way down the road. Well, uh, about four days ago, I get an email from Tesla saying, prepare because it's coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, that email that you go in and you put in your insurance and, and, uh, and all your, you know, how you're going to pay for it, et cetera, which means that at least with my wife's car, that meant that it was like four weeks out. And I haven't gotten any intel on it. They said that they'll be getting in touch with me soon with a VIN number, and then they'll be able to give a date. But any reason why maybe I am sidestepping hundreds of thousands of other orders? Uh, is it a color combination? Uh, uh, you know, if they or or is it like people who maybe were in leases that when 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 Tesla went and said October now to March. That, that must have put a few people in a tailspin in a good way? or Well, we know that Tesla in the past has prioritized the higher-priced vehicles first. Uh -huh. So that could be it. That's one thing. The other thing that we don't know is how many vehicles have they produced already? Mm. So, so they could have been oh, that's producing these things since December or January. Yeah. And they could have a huge stockpile. I would imagine we probably would have heard about that if, if so. Where are they storing them? But... That could be another thing. They could have just produced so much that they're ready to fulfill, yeah. you know, ten, tens of thousands of orders immediately. That uh, well, that's the that's what I would hope is is occurring. Uh, well, either way, none of it looks ominous. It's just it was just interesting to me that place the order and boom, here it comes, dude. I would also think that a mixture of um, the order potentially coming early and everything going on in the world with the coronavirus, at least for me, it would give me pause on am I ready to pull the trigger on this yet? I was expecting it in a year. Yeah, uh, there's. It, it, it looks like it's one of those things that's probably a number of yeah. factors are. It could it could be a little bit of of marketing or PR from Tesla's part um, to send these emails out, getting people to talk about it. And uh, I mean, it sounds like they haven't said specifically when this is going to be delivered. So uh, they're not making any promise that it's going to be delivered anytime soon. They're sure. just saying get prepared for it. So you could be waiting another couple of months <laughs> or six months, but it would still be fine for me, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So 
there could be some some Tesla marketing magic there. Yeah, they, they could be utilizing that, especially if they know that that quarter one is not going to be a stellar quarter yeah. for them performance yeah. wise. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another piece of it. They've they've been known to do things like that. In fact, last year it was I think it was actually a year ago at the end of March they knew that they were going to have a terrible Q1 and so to lessen the blow they did a couple they did an event i think that they did their autonomy event if i remember correctly and then they also announced the $35,000 model 3 yes. much sooner than what what i think people were expecting mm-hmm. so it's possible that they could be leveraging leveraging some of that to lessen the the exactly. fact that they may not be they may not have yeah. a, they, they've already said that Q1 is not going to be great, but with the coronavirus, it could be disrupting even more. Sure. Well, f- funny, I want to come back to that. I want to come back to the idea of the battery day in particular and how that might be leveraged if we're having a particularly shitty uh, stock market right now and for the foreseeable, you know, if we are getting near that R word, if they could... Remember how we talked about that, how the battery day will only be when they want it to be because they've got, at the time, Corona was just, it was, it was just coming on our radar. So the markets were still doing just fine. And my my thoughts were that they'll do battery day when it is absolutely optimal for them and no sooner. Well, that seems like a pretty damn optimal time to bring about some really, you know, earth shattering battery news. Yeah. Uh, Although I felt like Autonomy Day was earth shattering, we're making a exactly, chip from the ground yeah. up, and the market really didn't respond to it. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, hopefully, I, I think people pay more attention to battery than they do autonomy. I think autonomy is too much of an abstraction, maybe. Probably average Joe, because like you, you know, we're even me who cares about this, probably disproportionately from the average. Um, I still care about that big number of mileage that I get, like how many miles, how many miles exactly. range, even though now that we own one, I see that that's far less important. I don't know if you feel that same way, but uh, the big number to me does not mean as much. It maybe means accoutrements. I can keep on the sure. heater or I can do, you know. Yeah, I think I think the autonomy day, I, I felt like when I was watching that, it, it very quickly... They went super deep, and you know when they're talking about teraflops per second, it starts to go over my head a little bit. I do that every night before I go to bed. It's, it's awesome. Oh wait, I have teraflops. Is that what it is? I don't know. So, I, I can you know in general, I think that that analysts uh, from from you know it, institutional institutional investment firms. This is a new topic for them. Uh, they're used to traditional automotive, and the vernacular is a little bit different with electric vehicles. So I understand why markets didn't necessarily react. I, I, I see the same disconnect when some of these investors on on the on the quarterly calls are asking some some boneheaded questions. You know, the, you can you can tell that they don't follow things as closely mm-hmm. as as maybe some enthusiasts do. So. Um, we'll, we'll see with the battery. It might be a little bit easier to understand um, a battery day versus an autonomous day. The other thing about autonomy days, this is my personal opinion. This might be heresy to, to um, Tesla enthusiasts, but I think that Tesla is much further away than, than what they're indicating with, with autonomy. I think they have a lot of work. I think that they're making significant progress. How dare you, sir? I know, I know. <laughs> well, I, do, do, I think what you may, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but the way I'm seeing, and I agree with you, by the way, that they may be 98% there, 
but that 2% chasm is gigantic. And I, I, so I think that to, unless you start talking geofencing and things like that, where you have a much more controlled environment, I agree. I think functionality, you know, if you want to go out and, and drive and have it change lanes and keep you on a highway and do a long distance and be refreshed at the end of it, it's there. It's totally there. Is it going to take me outside of my house here in the mountains with no descript writings on my streets here? No, it's not going to get me where I want to go. But the other piece that's, that's, a reality for us driving in Colorado is the snow. Mm. It, it when you have an optical approach like that, and you have snow and stuff that mm-hmm. gets over the the cameras, mm-hmm. it doesn't know what to do. So, how is Tesla going to solve the issue for people like us if if the car is going to be autonomous or supposed to be autonomous, and you 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 have any mm. issues with those cameras? Right now, you know the the, the front facing cameras are fine because you yeah. have the wipers, but how do you address the issues with the other cameras, the other six cameras, when they get covered in gunk? Uh, you know, a, a really simple example is if you're out driving in your Tesla and you you either back into your garage or you're backing into a supercharger, I often find myself needing to stop, put it in park, go out, sort of, you know, put some spit on my finger and wipe off the... You're the, using your Mark II eyeballs? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I have to, I have to clean off the back camera as I, yes. know, so that I can see where I need to back up. And so it's a really simple example of how do you solve the issue of of the car being able to use these cameras if that is the primary way that these cars are going to be autonomous? Well, you know, something I think about is uh, my, my background is uh, an airline pilot. And uh, I, the, the airplane that I was last flying is one of the world's most advanced, an Airbus A320. It, so it's capable of doing landing and basically zero, zero visibility much less than I can handle as a, uh, as a, as a, as a human. So it, it brings us down to the ground. Now there are certain identifiers that we need to be able to have to, uh, to make that landing. And if they don't exist, then we can't do that level of, of de- automation dependency. But regardless, once touched the ground, we have to be able to manually take the aircraft and then move. So we do have to have some sort of visibility out there. And the, the, where I want to tie this analogy into what I, where I see autonomous driving going is that there are going to be things that take out the redundancy of the automation in a Tesla or any other vehicle, meaning that there's multiple cameras, but let's say the obscuration starts to affect these and you have a degradation in performance. Well, that, that degradation in performance is ultimately going to need in a, a, a result in a buildup in a need for the human to take over. So that, that's, that's where the disconnect is right now. It's not that the, the, the vehicle can't be controlled. It's when the, as the, the, the analogy used of the Colorado obscurations or the snow, et cetera, as those things build, the need for the human comes in. So how do we get to th- that from that point to no human intervention? And that's full autonomy as far as I'm concerned. In other words, um, that that gap between the need, you're always anything mechanical, you're going to have a degradation. There's a potential for that. How do you build in that uh, systems that allow for it to go from full automation to no need for a human? Yeah, it in you know if you if you sort of break it down to a simple form, what what do you need to address in order to get there? You need it to be safe. You need it to be as safe as possible uh, for the people that are riding along in the car. 
and then you you need it to be convenient. The convenience piece. Once you have the safety piece, then then I think that that it's going to be focused around convenience for the for the rider um, <coughs> or the consumer. So I wonder this. I've never I've never thought about this until you 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 said that you you flew planes. But is it possible that uh, there would be a highway traffic control, mm-hmm. some centralized place where you have humans that are overseeing maybe a region or area um, to make sure that these autonomous vehicles are doing what they should. This was my thought. Yeah. And it seems like it'd be easy for um, a vehicle, you know, to be paying attention to the level of obscurity that's going on and put out, you know, like if, the, if there's a person in the car, if we're going before the autonomous ne- mm-hmm. network, you know, you're not going to use autonomy on this drive unless you go clean, clean the cameras right now. seems like an easy alert to make. Mm-hmm. Or while you're driving, if they're starting to become obscured, letting the driver know, like, I, you have to take over and go park and clean the cameras. Or Exactly. But then on the autonomous network, um, you'll probably need humans managing a region of the network. Well, it sounds like, too, one of the, one of the catalysts within that is that the vehicles will be communicating with one another. And that's, that's where 5G technology, I think, is going to have its most profound impact on autonomy is the ability to, for, for you to build sort of your own mesh network. Uh, so I think that's going to be one level, and I think what you two both just mentioned, having there will be some level of a ground-based air traffic controller uh, that, that does manage the flow and whatever other things pop up. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think that definitely there's going to be a pretty long period of time where you have to pay attention and you have to intervene, you know? Yeah. Um, it, Whether or not that intervention, though, it has to occur by a human in the vehicle or by one of those ground-based controllers, that's the question, you know? Whether, that's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if that's a thing or not. I'm just well, I know that, kind of pulling that out of my ass. You know, I was kind of following Andrew Yang's... Um, uh, bid for presidency, and he kept talking about how there's multiple firms in Silicon Valley that are working on beaming drivers into trucks for the last few miles. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something like that would be possible. I know that's kind of out of left field, but who knows? I th- they think these things are being considered. That's for sure. Yeah. So I, I, I this is incredibly interesting, but I got to get to this one thing about the Model Y. Have you heard about any special feature this thing might have? Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> well, I think that many people are aware of some of the potential innovations uh-huh. of of the Model Y. I think I know you, where you're going because I can look at the dry eraser board. <laughs> <laughs> what dry eraser board? <laughs> yeah. Never mind the man behind the curtain. <laughs> um, but I think there's a few things we could talk about there. Oh, sure. Um, you know, the, the, the heat pump thing. I don't... I, I don't fully understand it and, and how that's different from what they're already doing today. But um, it's it's an interesting one. And, of course, people in cold climates will benefit from this if it is as they say, which mm-hmm. is to improve the degradation of the battery in colder weather. Mm-hmm. So it's it, as I understand batteries, and, and help me here if, I, if I'm wrong, you, you, when, it, when a battery gets colder, what... What, what, the reason why, as I understand it, there is a decrease in range is that the energy within uh, those cells becomes inaccessible. It's there, but it's inaccessible. And uh, if you can keep that pack at a particular temperature, you can then access that 
additional energy that was stranded before. So I'm I'm hearing at least the 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 heat pump is a pretty nebulous thing. It's got a few people in a tailspin trying to explain exactly what it is, but I think it's a displacement of one temperature of air over here for another. And it, it doesn't matter how cold or how how hot it is outside, as long as there's a differential. If you have a differential, then you can pump air one way or another to cool or to heat. And so it sounds like they're maybe getting those into the battery packs and uh, bringing back that 30 or 40% loss in range, or at least some of it, is, is what we're hearing. I don't know. Is, are you hearing kind of well, same the, thing? The, the battery packs do already have a mechanism to manage the, the temperature mm-hmm. of the pack. Um, it's a lot like human body. Mm-hmm. Human body doesn't like, like for it to be too hot or too cold. And so yeah. it's got these mechanisms that, that help with that. Um, you, you, the human body does lose performance when it's in extreme temperatures. So that already exists today. And so my, I'm filling in the blanks, but only on the uh, S and X, right? The three does not have that. The three does have it. The three does does. have an active, active cooling system. Oh, okay. Um, but, but, but also, also on the heating side, I mean, there, Mm. there there is obviously if you're driving in, in single digit, digit temperatures and there was no active, um, temperature management, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to drive your car. Uh, you would right, have significant, significant reduction in range. But um, so the heat pump is interesting, and maybe that adds an additional element that just works better, mm-hmm. more effectively. I see in colder weather. Okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of picking out some things that I already know about the yeah. about the battery packs, and then applying it to this new news that we've heard about the heat pump. But well, at any rate, all I want to make sure is is that I can still go on my app. And turn on the heat while it's in my garage. Yeah. That's all I care about. Yeah. So we can yeah. definitively say that still exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Any other magic you know I, about the Model Y? You or? know, I'm, I'm really curious about the reduction in the wiring. That's That's been mm. another piece that sounds really interesting to me. Um, how are they going to do that? Are they going to do that through Bluetooth communication? Are they going to do it securely? Um, of course, there's a if you reduce the, the amount of wiring, you're, you're increasing the speed of production. The, you're reducing the cost of the vehicle. That's what I was going to ask. So is it a reduction uh, cost. Right, right, yeah. So how are they going to do that though? That's the big question, and I think we'll know a lot, a lot more about some of these, some of these innovations of production with the Model Y, and mm. they'll probably be rolling this out to other vehicles when. What's been said so far regarding the reduction wiring? Well, like, what have you heard? Uh, a, a significant. I don't. I don't remember the the, the actual amounts, but a significant decrease in the amount of wires used to communicate uh, from system to system internally. This is something that Tesla announced directly through? Uh, Patents. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, I believe it's patent filings. You can learn a lot by patent filings, can't you? You can. In fact, I actually think that Elon has talked about um, their improvements in in length of wiring from SNX to Model 3, but I think that there's an even better step improvement with the Model Y. So that's one piece. And then there's, there's a lot of talk about the, the, um, the improvement in, in panels, uh, reducing the number of panels needed um, for, for the Model Y. So that could be another interesting piece. We've heard uh, as well from, from patent filings that they file a patent to reduce the uh, stamping machine from, Seventy or so parts down to one, so there may be yeah. some innovations That's there. That's amazing. That, yeah, that, um, we might see when um, someone like Sandy Monroe 
gets their vehicles and tears it apart yeah. and figures out what they've done to make it better. Was that a trip interviewing him? I'm sorry, I just got to ask. Was He's a great guy. He's a very down-to-earth guy. You wouldn't know if, if you just met him on the street or you ran into him at a coffee shop, you wouldn't know how important he was yeah. because he doesn't have – he just has a very down-to-earth, Midwest, casual approach. He's not big city, you know, flashy – he dry, you know, he probably does quite well for himself, especially working with uh, these these important companies, very very uh, powerful companies. But he drives a Jeep Rubicon. Have you been to his website? Modest. What's that? Have you been to his website? Yeah, uh-huh. it, yeah. It's it's sort of a, it, it's it lo- exudes exactly what you're saying, like kind of like Paul Graham, the 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 investor Y Combinator guy. He like he has his blog that everybody in the world that wants to be a startup guy w- reads, and it's like the most basic form of yeah. code right. known to man. <laughs> he's not egocentric at all. I love it. You know, he's the antithesis of of uh, of, of Elon. He's probably on the, probably on the opposite end, but he knows what he's talking about. And mm-hmm. I would I would even go so far as to say, aside from employees at Tesla, anyone who works at Tesla, he probably knows the most about electric vehicles and particularly Tesla. Wow, he's he's ex- he's exceptionally knowledgeable. He's got a great team as well. It's not just him, but he's sure. got a really great team that that ha- each has their own specialty uh, when it comes to the electric vehicles. But yeah, he's he's to get back to your question. He's very approachable. We're occasionally we're emailing back and forth. In fact, I had some people ask me on Twitter, uh, you know, when when is Sandy going to be doing his his breakdown of the Model Y, so I reached out to him and asked him, so yeah. I got a re- reply back after a few days, and and uh, he said that he's got two on order, which should be delivered in early April, so I think that Beautiful. the fun is going to come very soon. Do you know how long it takes him yeah, to kind of... question. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, Kyle. I no, have you're no good. clue. Months, probably. Probably. I, I would, I mean... With the degree of detail that he does it, it's they pretty go spectacular. deep. I mean, it's not just taking apart the vehicles it's analyzing the systems but also figuring out what the what the cost is per mm-hmm. part wholesale part <laughs> and then figuring out what the profit margins are That's on the insane. entire car Jeez. so you know so <clears throat> so what i expect for him to do with this is they they will they will analyze it they'll put it together in a nice paper and then they're going to sell that paper to other automakers because other automakers are curious to know. They do that all the time. This is a common thing in the automotive industry. Automotive industry, it does these things. They'll either do it themselves or they'll pay Uh big bucks to companies like Sandy Monroe's to do it for them. And then they just, you know, they they review the reports. So super exciting, really exciting. I would just want to sit in the room and drink beers while they're doing disassembly. Yeah, that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> well, hey, well, we got you here. Let's let's talk something. I think this would be, you know, it's important right now to uh, to 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 kind of induce our calm about the markets and about EVs in general. You know, and one one of the things that comes to mind for me, while companies like Tesla and others that are interested in EV are making huge strides, when a, when the markets fail like they currently are, it can it can make those same businesses feel very vulnerable uh, to, to, to somehow, you know, maybe they don't have enough cash to weather the storm and so on and so forth. But w- one of the catalysts I personally believe in this market is, is not just, you know, the, the coronavirus, not just maybe just leadership in a particular country, but it's, it's also this 
this this this sort of war that's going on with with Russia and and Saudi Arabia over energy, uh, particularly fossil fuels. And in the past, you know, like I can think five or ten years ago, where if you put a bunch of downward pressure on prices at the pump, more people are going to go buy gas. But I I feel like, and I hope you back me up on this, but I feel like things are different now. A dollar fifty gas isn't going to cause people to turn away from EVs. Am I right, or what, where do you where do you, where do you see all this energy uh, war going and and low fuel prices, high fuel prices? That's a really good question. I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it, so I'll see if I can just sort of talk off the cuff about it. I see it going either way. Yeah, you know, uh, less expensive fuel could mean that that automakers have an even greater drive to produce larger vehicles mm. at a less expensive price. Um, and if it's more affordable for, for consumers to buy these larger vehicles because of the fuel price, you could have a, you could have, you know, a, a, an unintended negative impact mm-hmm. on where a lot of people want to go in terms of a little bit more of a sustainable, sustainable forms of transportation. Mm-hmm. But pushing up also on the other side is, can these can these companies in the petroleum industry weather through uh, the, the the low below thirty dollars a barrel prices? They're probably going to have to lay some people off, which has mm-hmm. a negative impact on the economy. Uh, some of these companies may not may not be able to make it, depending on how they they manage their their finances. Uh, so you've got th- that 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 uh, piece is as well. But um, as we were talking about earlier. A disruption like the coronavirus could be the thing that is needed to see acceleration in electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be the thing that sort of pushes a lot of capital investment into the right things at the right time. Um, you know, the biggest factor, I think, is driving down the cost of the batteries. And that's something that companies like Tesla are thinking about. They're probably the, the 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 market leader, the thought leader in in this, and so it does position Tesla in a really good way. I think if they can if they can have enough cash to be able to to continue to fund these projects, so you know it could go either way. It it it, it could work to the advantage of automakers producing internal combustion engines. Um, uh, when was the last time that we had? such low prices was it was it during the the 2008 recession or i certainly remember 99 cent fuel uh in the late 90s i think that's where yeah go ahead sorry kyle that's 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 where where i remember yeah that's where i would have gone too so it's been a long time it's been a long time and you know funny enough the way you just said that it made me think what why like when i go and now we're we're fortunate these things sitting over here to your to your right are uh, uh connected to my solar uh that we have in our home but even without using solar, like you could say, okay, I'm getting getting fuel for free in, in my wife's car. If we charge this at night, it's nine cents per kilowatt hour. And my wife's 65-mile trip, I think, is somewhere around the, uh, 13 kilowatt hours necessary. So, you know, if you, if you do the math on that, you're a little over a dollar to do 65 miles. And that, it, it, it the gas is if it gets to that level in today's economics, first off, I, I, it's my personal belief that Saudi Arabia can bury 
Russia in this war. But what they're really trying to do, I think, is is bury shale in U.S. You know, because that's a that's a leveraged market. But we're, if you get anywhere near those prices to 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 extract the same amount of uh, value in an ICE vehicle, uh, there the, both of those entities, Saudi Arabia as well as uh, Russia, are, are seriously harmed. So to me, the point is, is that I think EVs, if, if people, if we, maybe the conversation should be, look how inexpensive electricity is to do this, even in a place where it's relatively expensive. It seems like that's the narrative that maybe should be pushed. I think, yeah, I think the, the energy needed to power an electric vehicle certainly is very compelling. Mm-hmm. You also have, though, the purchase price, the entry price mm-hmm. of an electric vehicle is 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 good it's getting better but it's still quite high yeah um you know you have 30 to 40 thousand dollar electric vehicles which are good but really where i think the range needs to be is what tesla is offering at their eighty thousand dollar price point to get back to something that you uh-huh. sort of sort, sort of segued into or or hinted at in terms of range more is better if you can if you can do it in an efficient way. So I I I I would love to see personally range of vehicles be comparable to how much you can go um, on a single tank of gas. Right, right. now we're looking at between four and six hundred miles, mm-hmm. depending on the gasoline yep. vehicle. So I do think that there's still some some work there for many people for for that middle of the bell curve of adoption of electric vehicles in order to get that mass market. I do think that you need something that is, you know, between four and six, 600 miles of range with what Tesla is working on. It seems like they might have figured that out and hopefully that the whole auto industry benefits from that as Tesla continues to mostly single-handedly drive down the cost of, of, of batteries. So we'll, we'll see it's, we're, we're in a really interesting time here. We, we could see things favor uh, gasoline, or we could see this shift, as I was talking about earlier, where it makes more sense to, um, to, to, to just swing towards electrification even more. Well, What's it sounds that? like that at that number, you've solved range anxiety. I already feel like you do now that I'm an owner and we can charge every night, but you've solved it. So the, the, the on-the-fence folks are there, but maybe extrapolate it out. Like one of the things that's really popular in Europe and the U.K. is a, you heard of a hot hatch? No. Basically, it's just a tiny, it's a tiny little GTI, smaller than a GTI even. And those are, if, if Europe could have one vehicle, that would be the vehicle they would have. But the problem has been so far to really bring one of those to market in an affordable way is that battery density. You can't get a whole lot of range in a very small vehicle, you know, 100 to... 150 miles of range, but that's, that, that's changing. And when that happens, so like if we do get to the four and five or 600 mile range in a medium sized vehicle extrapolated down, you get 250 miles of range in a hot hatch. And that's, that's it. That's the, that's the name of the game that fills in your twenty twenty five thousand $25,000, you know, price point. And I think that's certainly Tesla and, and everybody else, V-Dub, I've got to be aiming for that, wouldn't you think? Like, yeah, they, they understand their market's the best, and you know, outside of North America, the smaller vehicles are probably the more appealing vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I think 
Model Three is definitely scratching that that uh, that that market potential in places like Europe. So I'm I'm very curious about Model Y, and I think people could be interested in in this one as well quite a bit. Uh, in Europe in particular. Well, the crossover market is massive, right? Compared to the sedan markets. Absolutely. Quite a bit bigger. Yeah. Globally too. It's, it's not just in the U S as I understand it. Yeah. I think we've grown it from here. I think this, the Genesis is that it started here in the U S but, um, as we fell in love with it, so shall others, I think is what has occurred there. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, actually this, this is a, this is another interesting thing that I think uh, people might be interested in, in hearing, um, that, these topics about electric vehicles and Tesla is not my day job. It's sure. not a thing that, that pays the bills. And so it is still a very small portion of what I spend my time on. But the interesting component to this is my real estate world, which is what I spend most of my time on in this EV world, are starting to intersect. And that's a really interesting thing to see and and, and sort of observe mm -hmm. as, as someone who's in the middle of it, because as you said earlier regarding your, your solar on your house, that is, that is a piece, that is a part of your, your real estate investment. You have also electrical charging as well. Absolutely. Where you're charging your vehicle inside of your garage. And, um, you know, pretty soon I'm sure you'll have some stationary storage to be able to store, store that energy and so all of these, and I never, I never planned for this. It, it looks really intelligent, you know, <laughs> at surface level that it's like these things are really converging. And, and I'm as sort of as a real estate agent at the front end of this. I don't yeah. know any other, I have some friends who were, who were doing similar things, but I don't know any other real estate agent who knows as much about, about how these things intersect as, as I do. And the point of me sharing that is, is not to impress you, but, but to impress upon you that we're seeing this transition as well in real estate too, uh, where, where homeowners will, home shoppers will see a value in homes that will have that that have solar, that have battery storage, and then have electrical charging to charge vehicles. Uh, the more electric, the more people drive electric vehicles. So, you know, does it increase the 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 value of a home? That you know, I've got some thoughts on that. But you know, will that be a marketing? A marketing lift for the real estate agent who's who's selling a property mm -hmm. with these things. It so would be for me as it stands. Like, um, you know, my wife and I talk about putting solar on our house, and one of the questions that comes up that I've yet to do any research on is, you know, how does it affect the value of the home, and is this going? Uh, is this just kind of money spent, or is this going into my net worth in some indirect way? Yeah, I did actually did a video on this back in December because I personally wanted to know. Does adding solar increase the value of a home? And what I ultimately determined is it depends on what what your definition of value is. Mm -hmm. So you have bank value, you have you have government or appraised. Uh, uh, sorry, you have appraised value, which would be bank bank value. You have assessed value, which would be government value, mm -hmm. and then you have market value. This is how I t uh, uh, set it up in the video. Um, when you're talking about market value, there is statistically here in the Denver metro area, I actually pulled the sales numbers uh -huh. of homes of similar square footage that sold with solar and ones that didn't. And there is a, I think it was somewhere, uh, it was it was it was less, it was under five percent um, 
that, that it added value. But that will probably change over time. My prediction is, again, as more people uh-huh. drive and buy electric vehicles, it's going to start people down the mental road of, number one, how can I reduce my electricity cost? Uh, number two, um, there may be some environmental motivations as well for some people, not for everyone, and I understand that. And, you know, most people, most real estate clients that I work with, the environment is not top of mind. Mm-hmm. But economics, I think, are relevant to everyone. How can I reduce my electricity cost? And how can I add additional value to the home? So at some point, you might be able to get a, a, a one-for-one a, a one dollar back from some of these things because it, it covers, I mean, here's the one thing that we haven't talked about, which I think will really have a profound impact on real estate value, and it's solar solar roof. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're addressing the fact that you need a roof anyway. Yeah, And when you need durability. to replace the shingles mm-hmm. or the tiles or whatever, why not, why not add the solar element to it, and then it's just... It's more durable Absolutely. than current uh, asphalt shingle or tile, and it's giving you that 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 solar energy too. Well, let me let me give you the math just real quick because I think that a lot of people would you you really uh, kind of touched on something very interesting about real estate, and you know we're just now in mass starting to adopt EV just now. And so if you're, if you're contemplating a home like mine, I have a fairly large system. It's about 12 and a half kilowatts. So I produce, based on our energy rates from Excel here in Colorado, on average, about $500 worth of energy a month. That's a lot. And if you just think about amortizing that out, so that's $6,000 a year over 10-year period, $60,000 worth if the prices stayed where they are today. That's, that's essentially the same as going to the pump, or anything else, that's $60,000 worth of value I can make in 10 years' time at a conservative rate. It's probably substantially more than that. And that's here. So What's I, the price of that system? Uh, the, ballpark? To, to get that right now through Tesla is about 35000 bucks. Okay. Uh, that size of it. They call it their XL or L or whatever, but... And that's even going to be, you know, they're, they're, they're making advancements in their, their, their solar efficiency as well. But right now, that's roughly what that would cost. So... If you have a couple of EVs, if you have a, a couple of power walls that can store that energy overnight, you can charge your vehicles while you're, you know, sleeping or whatever. Now you can you can in real time see it's just like it's it's the equivalent of having the gas pump on. You can see the energy flowing in and out of your car, the dollar value of it, and it's real. You've got like like my solar roof is a fuel station for my whole house. And my vehicles, yeah, and it's magnificent, and and that's you, like you said, you weren't really quantifying the social or the sustainable aspects. I do care greatly about that. We all do it at our hearts, but economics are the first thing people see, and I can elucidate for them straight away the economic value in today's world is when you factor in EVs, it's there. Sure. You, you've, you, you've got this sort of push and, and pull or this working at both ends. You have, how much money is this going to save me as a, as a homeowner? Uh, but you also have, how much is this, this system going to cost? And that is falling gradually, month by month, Absolutely. year by year. And at a certain point, it will be as ubiquitous as 
asphalt shingles that are you know the most affordable, exactly, incredibly inexpensive. It's remarkable. Like when you when you compare a, a solar a, a solar uh, system, solar panels that you put on your roof to asphalt shingles. I mean, you can get asphalt shingle roof for around ten thousand dollars, and you're talking about a system that's that's you know, solar panels at $35,000, the, the solar roof is going to be more expensive early on. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be um, close to double what it mm-hmm. is for solar panels. So it won't quite, it'll, it'll take a while to drive down that cost, but just because it's more expensive now, and this, 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 is, this is an objection uh, that I hear all the time, mm-hmm. well, they're more expensive than, you know, electric vehicles are more expensive than gasoline cars. So it makes the technology um, uh, null, maybe at the present time. But just like what we've seen with TVs and phones mm-hmm. and computers and, I mean, we're, I think we're most mo- – the three of us are probably old enough to remember in the early 80s or mid-80s the phones that you had to carry in the bag, <laughs> right? Like that was the cutting-edge technology – you take that bag and you put it into the car, and then you t- you know take the big old phone out. Remember the curly Q antenna you would stick out there? How how you were signaling to the rest of the world that you were a badass? <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> ultimate nineteen eighties flex. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that gave way for what we all enjoy today in mobile devices, and so you have to have that perspective that if there is enough demand, if the product is valuable enough. If, if, if there's enough value and convenience that, that is created for consumers, prices for electric vehicles, for solar, for home battery storage mm-hmm. won't be the same price today what, what they will be in the future. They Absolutely. will continue to fall, and it will be it, – it, it's, it's just – it's economics. And I'm not an economist, but I do understand business, and I do understand economies of scale. And these things, I think – Will will be far more common, and and you will find this this window back to this sort of real estate topic. You will find this window where homes that have these things will be the sort of the marketing buzzword. Yeah, very similar to making another sort of like past reference here. <laughs> if you remember back in the two thousands, cafes would 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 market free Wi Fi. Remember yeah, free yeah. Wi Fi totally. is like the thing to get people in. <laughs> free electricity. I go even further back. Look at the hotels on Colfax and they'll say color TV. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think that solar solar roof or solar panels and electric vehicle charging stalls will be there'll, there'll be this window where if you have it as a homeowner, it will be the 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 just the marketing hook to get more totally for your house. So, Sean, do you think um, the the financing options is going to be a big part of this conversation as well? Like for me, if if I can finance this in a way where I've got this this payment on my solar system now, but it's lower than my electricity bill used to be, um, I'm in. So wouldn't a lot of people be that way? And I would imagine when you're dealing that closely to homes, if people have some equity, maybe they could borrow against that, or I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean... That was one of the the success pillars of Solar City when they were operating mm. is that they would guarantee that your your monthly cost to finance or lease the solar panels would be at or below the cost of your uh, your electricity bill. So I do think that's a good strategy. One of the things to keep in mind 
as, as uh, speaking from a real estate professional is if you have financed or leased uh, th- those panels or roof and you go to sell it, there could be some negative um, headwind uh, to that because if you're a buyer looking at that house, you may see that as taking on incurring an additional mm-hmm. cost. The other thing to keep in mind too is when you go to sell this, and that buyer is is you know financing the majority of that home purchase, the lender will also factor that monthly payment of solar mm-hmm. into how much the buyer can afford to borrow. Exactly. So you know two things. If you go to sell, keep in mind that it may be ideal for you to, number one, pay it off before you put it on the market Mm -hmm. or make sure your agent communicates in the listing that the the money owed on that system will be paid off at the time of closing by the seller. Absolutely. So Mm. some some real, real, I think, things to think about, you know, from a homeowner perspective, is it the right time? Should you do it? Can you afford it? Um, it, it? It can work as a great marketing ploy to market your house as the house that has zero electricity cost, mm-hmm. powering your house by sunshine. But also keep in mind that if you have financed this and you still owe a significant amount of money, that it could work to you. It could work to a disadvantage uh, and be less appealing to a buyer. Huh. So um, th- in that case, then they would kind of price the purchase price they the purchase price they would factor in what the payoff amount would be yeah uh, so hopefully as as a as a seller you have enough equity built in your home to be able to take the net proceeds of the sale of that house yeah. and then pay off the the solar so you could you could be in a situation where if you've purchased a house and you find out that you need to sell the house 12 months later i've i've got a, i've got a buyer who's who's needing to, he's, he's, he's selling his house, you know, about 12 months after he purchases. So he doesn't have as much equity built. And in fact, I think it's going to be a loss um, for him to sell this, but it's going to get him to where he needs to be long-term. But if you don't have the equity built, you could be in a challenging situation mm-hmm. where you're going to have to come up with that money or the buyer is going to back yeah. out and say, I'm not going to pay for that solar right. system. If you're not going to pay for it, I'm not going to buy the house. I think, if I'm not mistaken here, uh, uh, Tesla either has or will be introducing subscriptions, which change the economic dynamic uh, to where it is just simply a monthly payment, no strings attached. Uh, and it's and I, I, I'm assuming that they make it so compelling that the the future owner buyer rather. Uh, will not be inhibited by. There's no obligation other than to make a monthly payment, and it it uh, outweighs your energy uh, bill by a by a fairly strong amount. But I don't know how vi- valuable those are right now. The subscription. Yeah, they do offer that subscription right now on their website. My only question is, what happens if that person decides that they don't want the subscription mm-hmm. anymore? There is some. There is some capital investment into the actual home from Tesla's perspective where they're installing this. If the, if, if the homeowner says, I don't want it anymore. Yeah. Did, does the company come out, come back out and remove the solar? Yeah. Or do then, they just let it sit up there like your old dish network thing might sit up there. And, right. and uh, I mean, it's pretty significant investment on the company's part. So at what point 
does does Tesla break even with that if it's just sitting there waiting to be reactivated by someone in the future? I'm not sure how the, that the works. argument, the bit that I've heard behind it is that that Tesla has managed to make the economics on their side so compelling that they can they're so attractive that it would be it would be an outlier who says I don't want to continue that. I don't want to continue with that. Maybe through those uh, that math they decided well we'll we we'll, can eat those. We can eat those, yeah. Right. I don't know if that's the case, but that's kind of my Well, I mean, I have to think about worst case scenarios. Um, what happens if the company needs to come back out and as the homeowner you now are left with um, the, these these holes that mm-hmm. have been drilled into your roof. <laughs> How do you fill that? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing there's probably a way to co- cover those, but mm-hmm. you've compromised the structure of the house. Yeah. Um, as a real estate professional, I do think about that because sure. the, the, the worst thing that you want as a homeowner is to have a, a significant part of your structure compromise. So you're having to worry about leaks. Oh yeah. Water damage, mold. I, I would assume something like that is going to be, um, it, it, you're concerned as a, as a, as a, as a real estate professional, the person that is liable for that, the insurance companies are, are going to have a very strong vested interest that that ceiling doesn't, or that uh, ceiling doesn't leak. The roof doesn't leak, et cetera. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, Tesla's already uh, worked with in- industry insurance and they've come up with some sort of, I wouldn't even call it a doomsday scenario, but their scenario of people going, nah, we don't want this. Uh, there's magical nuclear energy now and we want nothing to do with this sort of thing. So, yeah, who knows? It's something I want to learn more about, though. We need, yeah. to, we need to dig that up. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, Sean, if you're good, we'll uh, we'll wrap it yeah. up here. I do want to tell uh, our, our listeners and, of course, your listeners um, where they can find you. Most people already know, but uh, uh, Sean Mitchell, if you just go to YouTube, uh, he's got a wonderful channel there where he talks all things EV, batteries, et cetera, and well beyond uh, any capacity we have here. That's just uh, searching Sean Mitchell on YouTube. Also, uh, you have a website that is allthingsev.com. Info is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and then uh, and of course in his uh, real estate uh, empire, uh, you've got uh, Sean M Sean M Mitchell dot com. So uh, it has been fantastic having you on here. We Thank hope you. we can get you back, and uh, of course, uh, we'll we'll talk uh, solar energy and anything else that we uh, haven't fully uh, covered today. There's never a lack of, of things to talk about when it comes to Tesla. No, that's true. Or better or worse. So we could probably come back in a month and there would be a whole new set of topics that we could wrap on for an hour.